But I just love this, that, that number one, man's way brings confusion, but God's way always brings clarity. Now, unfortunately, the Holy Spirit has sometimes got bad press within the church and within non-believers. And, and the Bible talks about it. If you, you know, sometimes we see people talking in, 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 in their prayer language, as I would call it, within, within church settings, and, and people get freaked out, and the Bible says that. If you don't understand what's being said, it's going to freak people out. If there's nothing to take away in their own language, it's going to mess with them. But, but I just love what's this, what happened. So here we have Babel over here. Man's tried to, to fulfill his own mission, tried to find his own love, tried to raise his own name. That's the, the, the essence of pride. Not submitting to the authority of the Father. Not coming under and understanding that we're creator. Or sorry, we're created, not a creator. And God is the creator. And so here we are. The ch- Man tried to raise his way to, to heaven. He tried to create heaven on earth himself. And here we have a parallel version in the, in the New Testament at Pentecost. So at Pentecost, what happened was, so we have all these people, God scattered them. They spoke all different languages. They used to speak one. Now they speak all these different languages. Fast forward to the New Testament. Over here we have the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit dropped, when heaven came down. And we have a bunch of people at the Passover feast that came from di- different tribes, different tongues, and they came for this, this ritual cer- cer- ceremony that happened once a year. And so let's, let's read on. It says in Acts 2, this is when the church was birthed. So it says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a wind the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. See, the the Holy Spirit's looking for somewhere to rest. It's like a dove. It it wants to rest on your life. It wants to rest on your situation, but it just needs a space. And then it says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Because that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. It wants to fill us. It wants to not just fill us, but overflow from us. And began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So what's this? So we hear that we, some of us have heard the word tongues and, and read about it. And it can be seen as babbling. Like babble, babbling, uh, babbling within an unknown language. But, but, but so often we think that causes confusion, right? That, that causes confusion to our natural mind. So it says, now they, were staying, now they were staying in Jerusalem, God freeing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment. They were freaking out. They were like, what's going on here? This is drawing our attention. Because each one heard their own language being spoken. So the Holy Spirit came from heaven and dropped just as was promised from prophetic words from, from of old. The Holy, instead of man trying to make his way to heaven, here at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came from heaven to earth. And it, it came from a place of confusion to a place of clarity. So once there was confusion in Babel where man tried to do things his own way, when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, when God had his way, when God dropped his spirit, clarity, Clarity came where there was confusion, where there was every tribe, every tongue, people from all parts of the world all of a sudden could understand. See, that's the heart of the Father. 
The Holy Spirit was never supposed to be weird. The Holy Spirit was never supposed to, to, to cause confusion in your life or to push you away from God. The Holy Spirit is here to equip you. Is here to help you. It's called the helper for a reason because God, God has given us the Holy Spirit to help us do the work of the ministry. It's not to say, hey, I'm better than you because I've got X, Y, and Z. I've got this spiritual gift. That's nonsense. That's pride. That's man trying to elevate himself. And when that creeps into the church, it's so unhealthy because it's not about us. If you pray for someone and they get healed because you've, God has given you the gift of healing, that's God. God done that, not you. God gets the glory. He gives you that gift. It's not, it's not your name. It's his name. And that's why when things like that happen, we always got, we've got to give glory to Jesus. Because he, when we lift up his name, not our name, you see what happens when people begin to lift up their name is things fall, things tumble, things break. It causes confusion. People start to, to pray in a certain way of the Lord. Oh, and they start to make all these, they start to, Pray weirdly and differently. Why are you doing that? Just be yourself. You don't need to pray different for God to move. And I've just seen so much of that. And it just it's, it, it, it starts to elevate man rather than God. God doesn't need a certain accent or voice or anything like that to move. Can I get an amen? And so I just, oh, I love this stuff. This is so good. And see, what I realized about this situation in Acts is man didn't do this. Man came to glorify God and at the appointed time the Holy Spirit came. So often we can get into this rut where, oh, I've got to reach people, I've got to help people, I've got to minister to people because that's what my church tells me to do. And we skip one of the most, the essential part of religion versus relationship is time with God. And you see, as soon as you skip that, you fall into religion. See, the second point is, our primary job isn't to convert. It's to converse with the Holy Spirit. Our, our primary job is not to convert people. But how often have people went around and tried to convert people because that's what you're supposed to do? That's not God's heart. God first and foremost, he wants you to be in relationship with him. God first and foremost, he wants you to be in conversation with him. Because you see, if you're not, you're doing it in vain. And I get sometimes in life, you've got, to, you've got to attend church sometimes even when you don't feel like it. You've got to love people even when you don't feel like it. But that can't be the norm. A passionate relationship with Jesus has got to be the norm, not the exception. And so when I begin to feel that I'm not passionate or I'm not burning bright or, or there's uh, that zealous spirit in me begins to die, you know what's wrong? There's nothing wrong with God. There's something wrong with what I believe. I've began to believe or disconnect from God. There's an absence. It's the same way if I haven't spoke to Sam in a while. I forget what his heart... You know, have you ever met someone you haven't met in a while? It's like, I wonder if we'll still be... You know, I wonder if we'll still... You know, will we pick up where we left off? I'm not sure where they're at. I'm not sure what they're thinking right now. And sometimes you're like, I wonder if they still like me. They haven't spoke to me in a while. 
And, and so some, that's what happens with our relationship with God. If we're not conversing, if we're not in the Scripture, if we're not reading the Word, if we're not uh, giving Him space to hear His voice, what happens is we start to do things out of duty. We start to attend church out of duty. We, we, start, to, we start to give out of duty. We start to, and, and those things are good, but it's, it, it's got to be the exception. Because if you don't, and that keeps going on, you know what you've left? You've left you're left with a ritual, an outward form. It's dead on the inside. And see, what happened in the Old Testament is that, sorry, in the New Testament, Jesus came to the earth, the bones, the Word became flesh, and he, and he actually wasn't critical of the criminals who were full-on sinners. He, can't, he could actually reach those people because they didn't get caught up in the ritual. And he came and he actually started to talk most harshly, not to the people who were murdering people, not to the people who were ripping people off. He came and spoke most harshly to the religious people. So watch what it says here in Matthew 23 and 15. It says the Pharisees, which were... See, there was these people, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they were called Pharisees because they weren't fur, you see. And they were called Sadducees because they were sad, you see. Ah, uh, love a bit of Christian cheese. Cheese ball. So the Pharisees... Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert. So they were trying to convert people. And when you have succeeded, you make them twice as much a child of hell as you are. But surely that's a good thing. But you see, what the Pharisees were connecting them with was not the heart of God. They weren't connecting them with the, the voice of the Holy Spirit. They weren't connecting them with the Father's business. They were connecting them with an outward action, with an outward routine, which then became a control mechanism to control the people, to get them to do what, it, what, what looks good on the surface. And see, what ends up happening then is you begin to live for the fear of man. You're no different to anyone that doesn't believe in God. You're not really worshiping God. You're worshiping religion. You're worshiping this man-made structure, and the problem with man-made structure is it's and laws is the laws are not laws have to be perfect, and laws will always condemn, and laws will always reject, and laws if you've any brokenness at all, you're thrown out, and that's why as a church, yes, the law shows us our sin, but it doesn't it points us to a relationship with God, and if you remove and you start to teach law, and you start to teach people you've got to act this way just because, or God won't accept you, you it's dead. There won't be any dreams. There won't be any visions. There won't be any love, because people are going to be walking around with shame, with guilt. And the only reason you come to church is to try and get rid of your shame, to try and get rid of your guilt. That's the only reason you come. That's the only reason you pray. God, I just pray, please forgive me. Please, for, and, and yes, of course, those things are good. But listen, we've got to understand the scripture says in, in Romans 8 and 28 that God has dealt with your, your past, present, and future sin. You've got to put that to bed. You've got to wipe the slate clean. And all you're doing when you pray is you're reminding yourself of who God is and what Jesus done on the cross. When you come to repent to God in prayer, you're just saying, thank you, Father, that you've forgiven me. God, I'm sorry that I, I messed up over there. God, I, I'm going to continue to try and move forward in that area. But often the areas that we sin are areas where we feel loved least. The areas that we sin are often because we don't feel accepted and we've got to go and do something to impress people. 
And so as we surrender more to the Father and pleasing Him, I'm telling you, you'll begin to break free. And you, as you fall more in love with Jesus, you'll begin to do more right by accident than you would if I was just telling you do this because the law says so. Because what does the law do? The law stirs up the, law stirs up the sin. Hey, everyone, I want, I want you to do something right now. Do not look at the roof. Don't. Don't, don't. Sinner. Tegan had to do it, didn't she? And see what happens. When I tell you not to do something, what do you want to do? Johnny Walker was down to look at the roof. Did you feel it? You're a sinner. Because there's a, rebe- there's a rebellious nature in all of us because when we're told not to do something, it actually empowers our sinful nature. It gives us, it gives the, sin, the sinful nature something to, to run after. And so therefore temptation begins as soon as you're told not to do something. That's why the New Testament teaching is, listen, the law is dead. Yes, we want to, to, be, to live holy lives and all that stuff. But if you try to live by a law, uh, the law is not a person, it's a stone. The law, the law is a material it was written on a material. It's not a person, but Jesus came in the flesh. He is a person. And when you begin to fall in love with the person of Jesus and the person of the Holy Spirit, it's a relationship. And then God can begin, we can begin to get past all that shame and guilt stuff. And God can actually begin, let's talk about moving forward. Let's talk about going into all the world. Let's talk about uh, loving others. Let's talk about overflowing. Let's talk about the gifts that you have. But if you don't, if you don't deal with that sin thing and, and put it on the cross and, and let your shame go to the cross every day, then what happens is you're always dealing with the cross. What Christ done wasn't enough. And you can't dream because you still feel guilty and you still feel shame. And, and what happens when you st- feel guilty and you feel shame is you stay the same. You don't change. You don't move. You, you want to maintain. You don't, you don't want to grow. Amen. We're near done. And lastly, religion causes you to... Cr- oh, watch this. Oh, my word. Religion causes you to correct people. But the Holy Spirit leads you to convince them. You see, because we're relational beings and we're the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity is a relationship. And we're born for relationship. And so we're born to love one another, to encourage, to speak life. And see, what I've realized, it's so, e- so much easier. See, when we're building a team and all that kind of stuff and we're creating culture, it's so much easier for, for people to catch culture than it is for me to teach them. I could tell someone to put the chairs out a certain way and put the bulletins down a certain way as many times as I like. But if I'm not doing it, it's going to be an up, uphill battle. And as soon as they see me not doing it and me, me not practicing from the front, the culture then becomes hypocritical. And people start to say, well, you're not doing it. And then, then they start to get mad at anything that I say because they're like, you're not, you're not living this. The culture is fake. 
we see monkey, monkey, monkey say, monkey do. And so that's the beauty of the of what Jesus done is when Jesus came, he came as a servant. Was what does that mean? He done it. He walked the hard paths. He walked the hard roads. He celebrated. He rejoiced in the first miracle at, at the wedding. He rejoiced with people. He partied with people. He had fun with people, but he also mourned with people. See, it's, it's easier caught than it is taught. But how often have we seen religion? And, and we, we all, we, we're all capable of this. But, but listen, I get this. Good, good to have conversation on eschatology and all, all the all the arguments for, for you know the ark and, and creation, all that kind of stuff. But listen. When people see a change in your heart, when people see that God has moved in your life and you're full of the Holy Spirit and you're full, of, your life is just, it's, it's a life that gives. And that's what catches people's attention. You can talk to them, tell Timbuktu about where the world came from. And, and there's, st- there's plenty of evidence there. There's tons of historical evidence. There's tons for Jesus being on earth and prophet- prophetic words that are written in manuscripts. There's tons of that stuff. And it's got its place, absolutely. But God hasn't called us to try and change people's minds and correct them for what they're doing wrong or right. God has called us to love them, to convince them of the Holy Spirit, to convince them of the Son. And how do you convince them? You, you get in relationship with Jesus. You, when they start to see an authentic spirit on the inside, when they begin to look at the fruit of your life, you can't form that fake. That's, that can't be fake. When something is real, when, when you plant a tree and you begin to water it, if it's a real seed and not just a, a, a fake seed or a, a look-alike, when it's a real seed, it begins to grow and bear fruit. And so that mightn't look like an orange tree to you, but if it's burned, or if it's burned the fruit of an orange, doesn't matter how you, it looks like, doesn't matter whether you agree with all, all the systems that you think should be in process. It doesn't matter if you, if you agree with this tree having the stem or the root or the, the, you think the system doesn't look the same way as it should scientifically and all that kind of stuff. If it's burning oranges, it's an orange tree. And so if we can just grasp the concept that, listen, God doesn't want us to run around burnt out trying to to please man or trying to please religious leaders. God doesn't want us to run around in this life and missing the whole point, which is to have a conversation with the God of this universe, to be in relationship with the Holy Spirit, because that's where the fruit is found. And that's that's what will convince people. You see, the church, the early church, received the Holy Spirit and people began to be added to their number. You know how? By their love. Not by their great human natural wisdom. It was by their love. It wasn't something super crazy out there. It was, it was the love of the Holy Spirit that came within them. They, they began to understand that I'm a child of God. They began to understand that I am chosen, that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. No matter what I look like in, in physical form, God has accepted me. He loves me. He's got a purpose. And I'm going to stand on the cornerstone that is Jesus. And when they began to receive that confirmation, it began to give them a platform to reach others because no longer were they trying to chase 
others for love, for encouragement. No, no longer were they trying to lean on the world for acceptance because they got it through the voice of the Holy Spirit when it dropped. And you see, the church is so, so powerful. The call of the church to be a light is so powerful, but it doesn't go without a conversation. It can't light up in the way it's intended to. Listen, there can be tons of movement here, and it can be man-made, and and, and we can be doing lots of good stuff, but without the Holy Spirit, without the relationship with God, it's powerless. It's just a ritual. It's just like any other religion in the world. I just want to finish with this. There's a lot of scripture this morning, but I really felt it was necessary. I want to read this, this scripture from the early church when it was birthed. And this is Peter. And it goes on to say, Then Peter stood up in verse 14. This is when the Holy Spirit had dropped. Then Peter, Peter stood up with, with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk. <laughs> you see what happens when people are drunk? A lot of things can happen. No one here would know about that, obviously, because we're all perfect, right? You guys are so serious. Like, keep a straight face, he might know. <laughs> if I keep a straight face, he mightn't find me out here. Oh, <laughs> man. Um, um, because what's going on? When people are drunk, sometimes they're full of fun. Sometimes they're angry, but there's emotions. There's stuff going on. There's something that's grabbing the attention. When the Holy Spirit drops, it grabs people's attention. People gather. When when Jesus walked the earth, people gathered. You see, if we can just get in touch with the Holy Spirit, if we can just give a give God a place to land. People will naturally gather. You don't need to try and convert them. You don't need to try and. Uh, you just need to be in communion with the Father. You just need to be in conversation with the Father. You don't need to try and correct people into salvation to where they'll acknowledge their sin. People know. (laughs) People know. It's only nine in the morning. They're having parties. And there's there's no Magners. There's no Bud. There's no Carlsberg. But they're having a party in the morning. And they're like, there's no way. There's no way at 9 o'clock there. That looks like too much fun. We can't be experiencing that kind of joy at this time in the morning. It's too, some of you that are in here this morning, you're like, you're half awake. You're like, there's no way. <laughs> there's no way. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. You see, you can't prophesy without a conversation. You can't prophesy unless you know the heart of the Father. Truly from God. Your young men will see visions. But I'm already starting to see it. I'm speaking to people on the sound desk, on the lighting, at the back. And they're talking to me about dreams that God has put in their heart. Visions to see the church go forth. And we're only six, seven weeks in. Why? Because we're creating space for the Holy Spirit to land. May God put a dream in your heart right now, this week. Something that seems impossible. Something that will make you vulnerable. Something that will make you afraid of what man might think. Why? Because then you need God. May God begin to drop His Holy Spirit in your life. 
and begin to give you a passion for something that's completely outside of yourself, that you can get no gain from it, but the world will benefit. And old men will dream dreams. Old men will begin to dream dreams of fathering the young, the next generation, that this would be multi-generational, that it wouldn't just be a young people's church or an old people's church, or that, that every generation would be represented that everyone would step up to the plate and come into conversation with the Holy Spirit because I'm telling you, when you do that, God moves. When you create space, God moves. He brings people's confusing situations and He brings in clarity. He brings peace to the storm. He brings healing to the brokenness. But it's when His people give Him space to move, when His people give Him space to converse, when His people let the Holy Spirit come. It's not by your effort. It's not by your performance. You cannot force God to convert someone. But if He convinces you of Himself, I bet you'll do a pretty good job of convincing others. Even on my servants, both men and women, if anyone thinks that women aren't valuable in the church or should stay aside, oh, prophecy, both men and women. That means women will speak prophetic words. Women have a massive part to play. It's men and women. I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. So women, there's no hiding in this place. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. See, look, smoke machines. Billows of smoke. Some of you are wondering, what's this all about? It's in the Bible. <laughs> the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood. And there's so much, profe- there's so much prophetic uh, depth in the, the darkness uh, the moon to blood, and we'll talk about that, that in the future, just about eschatology and end times. And it's, it's, we've got to have the fear of the Lord. This is not a case of just God loves you. Listen, God is, God is a father, <laughs> but he's also God. We, he, he needs to be feared in a healthy way. We're here, this is life's but a vapor. People are gone in a, here and gone in an instant. Are we going to use our lives to glorify him? Or are we just going to exist for ourselves? Man, we've got to have the fear of the Lord. Before the coming of the great and glorious day of our Lord, see, Jesus is coming back. This is not a joke. This is life. <laughs> I don't see any other answers out there. I see man-made religion. I see religion based by fear. I see religion that, that's controlling people. I see religion which elevates man. I see religion which is completely confusing and destructive, but... But Jesus came and he's on a different level. And he's coming back again for his bride, the church. And that, that's, that's humbling, but it's healthy. I, 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 just, I, I, I just see that there's generations that have been missed. There's generations. If the worship team want to come, come ahead up as we continue into worship, but there's just so many. I just see that there's, relation, there's generations that have been missed, that are out of church. I, I look and like, where, where, where's the young adults in the church? They're all in the, in the bars, in the clubs. 
I'm fear. What about that? We gotta have fear for the next generation. If we don't step up, who will? We can't sit here and just watch. We can't stay the same. Religion, dead religion, stays the same. It's like a stone; it doesn't move. God has called us not to stay, but to go. We gotta get out of our comfort zone. But it's not by force; it's by love. You don't have to, but I don't want to miss out. I want to use what God's given to me. Amen. And that's why that as we lift up the name of Jesus, not our own name, the church begins to spread, to grow. Man stays humble. And then God brings his mighty hand and he moves. And people are set free and lives are changed and people come to know Jesus. And says at the very end of that, and everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. And that's why I love, why we do this is not about, you know, we're in seed form here, we're only starting. But I'm already starting to see the bud begin to break out. I'm already starting to see the Holy Spirit begin to move in people's lives. I'm already starting to see young people start to have visions and dreams. I'm starting to see some older, mature men, mature adults, I should call them, right? Starting to see them starting to dream and starting these dreams. We're, we're not waiting about. We're going to put them into action. We've no time to waste. And that's why here we're not about stats. We're not about numbers. We're about names and we're about stories. We want to celebrate what God is doing in the little. Because listen, once we come to the stage where we're 200, 300, 1,000, we've still got to celebrate the names and the stories of the one. And this is where we learn it. In the small, in the seed form, if we don't learn it now, if we don't value the small now, if we don't value the little space right now. See, what happened here with just 11 people in the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit dropped. And Christianity today is the biggest religion on all the earth. I shouldn't say religion. But you know what I mean. And so as we come to worship here, if you just want to stand on your feet, I just want to ask us just to respond to God right now. God, I just pray and thank you, Father, as we, we come here this morning. God, we, we just come humbly and, and with a healthy fear that you're on your throne. But God, you have called us to do the work of the ministry father you've called us to be a light in a dark place and god the world will only be better if we come in conversation with you god i just pray this morning that we, the people in here god father we would just hear your voice this week god that you would begin to drop visions and dreams just so gently as you do and then we might not understand it but god that you would give us a purpose something to fight for something to live for that we wouldn't live a life no reason, with no purpose, aimlessly, but we would live a life to glorify you. And the Bible says, as we seek first the kingdom of God, your kingdom, then you bring everything else into order. You add everything else that we desire, the desires of our heart. So God, we just honor you this morning. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. Let's worship God.